Welcome to Momentum. I'm so glad that you've chosen to do this study. So you want to know more of God's blessing in your life? Me too. The sad reality is that many who profess to be Christians get stuck. They settle for the little that they have and reconcile themselves to remaining as they are. But not you. Somewhere deep in your heart, there's a longing for more. You want to live under the blessing of God. So what do you think a blessed life looks like? Is it having a happy marriage, gifted children, good health, fulfilling work, financial stability? All of these are rich blessings. But think about this, not one of these gifts is included in our Lord's description of a life that is blessed. Not one. Now, no one knows where blessing is to be found more than Jesus Christ. So when he speaks of the blessing of God, as he does in the Beatitudes, I want to pull up a chair and listen. And that's what we're going to do in this study. And here's what we're going to discover. The greatest blessings are hidden in places you might not expect to find them. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the happily married, blessed are those who enjoy good health, or blessed are those who can afford a large home and exotic vacations. No, when Jesus sits down with his disciples to tell them about life under the blessing of God, he describes a person who is poor in spirit, who mourns over his or her sins, and meekly submits to the will of God, and so longs to grow in righteousness. That's the person in whose life the blessing of God is to be found. Now, before we go further, there's one thing that we need to get crystal clear. The Beatitudes are not telling you how to become a Christian. They tell you what a true Christian looks like. See, the message of Jesus is not, if you live the life that's described in the Beatitudes, then God will smile on you and then you'll enter into heaven. That would be salvation by works. And that's not the teaching of the Bible. No, the smile of God's favor is yours when through the bond of faith, Jesus Christ becomes yours and you become his. Being in Christ brings you into an entirely new relationship before God in which he cleanses you from your sins, removing them from you so completely that you cannot be charged with them either now or ever again in the future. And he reconciles you to the Father, transforming your relationship with God from that of a sinner facing impending judgment to that of a son or a daughter anticipating a glorious inheritance. And he breathes his Holy Spirit into you, filling you with the power and presence of his own life. Now that's what puts you in an entirely new position. And this is where the Christian life begins being justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have peace with God and access into grace in which you now stand. But a person who stands in grace has a heart for holiness, and without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Again, we, we need to be careful here. Our holiness is not the reason that we'll enter heaven. Grace is 
but the pursuit of holiness is the distinguishing mark of a person who stands in grace, and the two belong together because they're both found inseparably in Jesus Christ. So let's take a quick overview of the Beatitudes so that we know where we're headed in the study. There's a definite order in the Beatitudes. Each one flows from the others that went before. So the Beatitudes do more than describe the blessed life. They actually give us a roadmap for pursuing it. The first three Beatitudes deal with our need. We become poor in spirit when we see that we are not yet the Christians we want to be, and we're a long way from what God calls us to be. And we mourn when we see that our sins are many. We become meek rather than self-willed and defiant when we see that we do not have the ability to direct our own lives wisely. These are the roots of a blessed and godly life. And out of these roots come the shoots of the fourth beatitude, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. See, God uses the root of seeing your own need to produce the shoot of a deep longing to grow in righteousness. And when the roots of the first three beatitudes are nourished, this desire for righteousness will spring up in your life. Now, continuing the metaphor, the roots produce shoots, and the shoots, well, they bear fruits. And the fruit of this blessed and godly life is first mercy or forgiveness, then purity, and finally peace. Now, our Lord gave us an eighth beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. This beatitude is different from the rest because the others all reflect the character that God's people are actively to pursue. Persecution is different. We're not to seek persecution. But we are to understand that the world won't thank us for pursuing godly lives. And those who pursue a godly life will be blessed by God, and they will be persecuted by the world. Now, think with me for a moment about this root-shoot-fruit pattern. If you want to have the fruits of forgiveness and purity and peace in your life, you have to begin with the roots of becoming poor in spirit, mourning over your sins, and meekly submitting yourself to the will of God. The Beatitudes show you how to make progress in the Christian life. Now, when I began speaking on this in the church that I serve, people said two things. The first was that they found this helpful. The second was that many of them had not heard this before. Pastor, I never knew that there was order and progress in the Beatitudes. Well, I want you to know that this is not something new that I came up with. I found it in the teaching of some of the great Bible expositors of past generations, including C.H. Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher of the 19th century, and Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the greatest Bible teachers of the 20th century. So earlier generations of Christians were familiar with what we're going to explore in this study, but for some reason it's not so well known today. And so I hope that it will be as helpful to you as it has been to me. So what we have in the Beatitudes is a practical plan for pursuing the blessing of God in your life. The Beatitudes give us a grid for growth. They give us directions for discipleship. You can use them as a roadmap for mentoring and for counseling. Suppose, for example, you're trying to help a colleague who wants to forgive, but she feels that forgiving is beyond her. She knows she's supposed to forgive and she admires other people who do, but she's been hurt 
and the wounds run deep and she feels she can't get to forgiveness. Well, the Beatitudes show how she can get to forgiveness. Or suppose you're discipling a friend who struggles with impurity. Images he wishes he'd never seen press into his mind, pouring fuel on the flames of his desires. And he feels trapped. He longs to be free, but he doesn't know how to get out of this prison. Now, how are you going to get to purity? That's his question. The Beatitudes show how he can get to purity of heart. Or suppose you have a wonderful vision for what you want your family or your business or even your church to be. And then your son or your daughter rebels or your church divides or your employer no longer seems to value your contribution. You find yourself in a turmoil. You're frustrated. And soon what's going on inside of you begins to spill out onto others who are around you. You long for peace. But how are you going to get there? Well, the Beatitudes show you how. The title of this study, Momentum, came from an image that I'd like you to fix in your mind. Picture with me a series of seven rings, each suspended from a high ceiling. At either end of these rings, there's a high platform, and your goal is to get from one platform to the other by swinging from ring to ring. So you climb the platform, and the first ring is within your reach. If you pull it back and swing on it, your momentum will bring you within reach of the second ring, and swinging on the second will bring you within reach of the third. Now, I found it helpful to think of the Beatitudes as being like this series of rings. Purity of heart is the sixth ring, and there's only one way to get there. You have to swing through the first five. So try to settle this picture in your mind. The only way to get to the fifth ring of forgiveness, the sixth ring of purity, or the seventh ring of peace, is by means of the rings that come before. You can't start from the fifth, sixth, or seventh ring. They have to be reached, and the Beatitudes will show you how. Now, the good news is that the first ring is within your reach. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means, as we will see, that blessing begins when you realize your own need. And in the kindness of God, it's your need for forgiveness and for purity and for peace that gets you onto that first ring. Now, think about moving forward by swinging from one ring to another. Suppose you miss the next ring. Gradually, you'll lose the momentum of your swing until, in the end, you're just hanging. And since nobody can stay in that position for long, at some point you're going to fall off. Now, that's a good picture of what often happens in the Christian life. You get stuck, stuck with not being able to forgive, stuck because of a big disappointment that you find difficult to accept. You lose momentum, you're not moving forward, and eventually you fall off. Well, there's only one thing to do when you fall off the rings, and that is to start again from the first ring. You have to go back to the place of saying, Lord, I don't have what it takes to forgive this person, or I don't have what it takes to deal with this disappointment in my life. You become poor in spirit. You swing on that first ring. So I'm so glad that purity of heart isn't the first ring. If it was, we'd all feel that it was beyond our reach. But the starting point is to embrace the truth that we are not yet what God calls us to be. And anybody can start there. 
If you're a believer in Christ, but you feel stuck in your Christian life, this study is for you. If you're battling with a compulsive sin or an addiction and you long to have greater strength in your struggle against temptation, well, this study is for you. If you hope to mentor or counsel or disciple another believer, this study is for you. And if you want to know more of God's blessing in your life, this is the study for you. Well, may God use this study to give you momentum as you pursue God's blessings through the Beatitudes.